number four, episode number four, we have Captain Jeff White of Frisco Fire Department. Let's get it. And we are live. Another special edition episode of Mind Over Matter. Sitting across from me today in his back patio, his beautiful back patio, I have Captain Jeff White from the Frisco Fire Department. I will bring him in here very quickly. But first, I do have to put the platform on blast just a little bit. If you are pressing play for the first time, thank you so, so much from the bottom of my heart for supporting this podcast. It means a lot to me because this is a movement for you. It's a movement for life to be a better you. So if you enjoy this interview, at the end of it, if you feel inclined in your heart to subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts in particular, because that's where a lot of you listen to this, please do that for me. That means a lot to me. And it gets guys and girls like Captain White and future guests on in the future, a bigger platform to be able to speak to you and connect with you, which is more important than my success in all of this as well. Um, Also, share with your friends, share with your family, share with grandma and grandpa, even though they probably don't know what's going on. It means a lot to me, but we can all be better in certain areas of our life. And that is my goal with this entire platform. So that is it. We are done. Nothing more, but awesome stuff coming forward. I got Captain Jeff White. Cap, thanks for hopping on. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me. Man, doesn't his voice sound a lot better than mine? <laughs> got a face for radio. <laughs> Surprisingly, Captain White and I had a conversation before this, and he said that he was very nervous about this podcast. Why were you so nervous, Cap? I think... Well, this is my first podcast. Uh, well, that, that would explain we're, it. We're sitting here um, <laughs> having conver- – it's easy to have a conversation, and then you put a microphone in someone's face, and I do the whole, I don't know what to do with my hands. <laughs> Fair enough. So how do you feel about it? I'm excited. Okay, good. Not nervous at all, are you? Nah, why not? Okay. We can just cut it and start over, right? Yeah, absolutely. That's <laughs> it's, the beauty it's of it. not live yet. <laughs> now, now we're fine. Not yet, not yet, but people will hear it. So Cap and I had an awesome conversation beforehand. I actually learned a lot more about him, which I'm looking forward to for you to hear. And I'm going to do very little talking. I'm going to let him do all of it because just the things that were coming out of his mouth were incredible. And this guy, you know, not only is he a giant in person, but he's got a giant heart uh, that I, I'm looking forward for him to be able to share with you. So Cap, before we get into the meat and potatoes, let's talk just the basics here. You know, tell us a little bit about you and you know a little bit about your childhood. Absolutely. Uh, grew up in uh, in Houston, in Katy specifically. Um, my my dad has or had 37 years uh, on the fire service with Houston, so I grew up around this uh, my entire life, and uh, you know got to kind of see it from there. Didn't necessarily want to be a firefighter. Um, he always put in my head, you know, he always said, "Be better than me," and uh, so I wanted to be a doctor and. Uh, organic chemistry got in the way. So um, <laughs> right. I ended up uh, following a, a, a different path. But um, but yeah, so so grew up there um, after uh, uh, high school, went off to college. Um, and uh, after that, um, got into the business world, you know, uh-huh. see medical school didn't work out. So I ended up in the business world for a little while and then uh, ended up here. So it's pretty nice. Yeah. Awesome. So we'll talk about your dad a little bit later because you had an incredible story that you shared with me before that I think a lot of people can extract a lot of value from. Um, but you're a father, is that correct? Yes, sir. Okay. Father of how many? One. One? And son, daughter? He's a son. He's uh, he's 20. 20. And what does your son do? He's in the Marine Corps. Marine Corps? Yes, sir. Okay. Awesome. And it's kind of funny. I, I, knew, I knew that answer coming into it, but just for these people that didn't, uh, you alluded to a funny story about some things that he said to uh, some other Navy guys and uh, some Army guys. Is that right? <laughs> you want to share that at all? No, no, I don't. <laughs> no. I respect all of the, the service members. Um, no, Grayson laughs uh, about the fact that uh, they've got a better uniform than any of the others. Ah. And, and so, but no, they... Um, They've got a great relationship with everybody else. They just, they've got that friendly banner. They've earned it. And mm-hmm. so they have the ability to kind of talk mess back and forth uh, that us, uh, us civilians don't necessarily have the ability to do. Absolutely. So what does it mean for you as a dad to see your son in the Marine Corps representing the country? <clears throat> Could not be prouder of the young man, uh, the, the decisions that he made. It wasn't his, his first decision. He uh, was actually headed off to LSU and uh, right before uh, he was supposed to leave. He kind of had a change of heart and uh, decided that college was not for him, and and he wanted to uh, enlist in the Marine Corps. It was uh, 
obviously a scary moment for for mama and and for me but sure. an absolutely proud moment watching him uh, walk across that parade deck uh, at graduation um, he is his you know as my dad said be better than me he was better than me the second he signed on the dotted line mm-hmm. and uh, that is an awesome awesome feeling I love that that's awesome and your wife you actually met while you were in the mortgage industry is that correct yes sir Okay. How so, did that kind of come to fruition? <laughs> so after, um, obviously after, uh, um, after college and, and, and football piddled out and, uh, grad school and medical school failed and, uh, all of that, I found myself back in Dallas, uh, working in the mortgage world and, um, met her, uh, through, through business, through a closing. She's, um, she's the VP of a, of a title company here. And so you, you go to the title company to close your loans. And I just happened to be at closing with one of my <laughs> clients and she happened to be in there. And I'm sure that she was at rock bottom when she met me, but, uh, just love it she, first sight, right? <laughs> certainly. <laughs> we'll go with that. Yeah. Um, there was uh, a lot of groveling going on, but, yeah. uh, no, we, we met, we, um, we were both at a, at a, a transition point in our lives and it was an absolutely uh, great, great experience. And, uh, she is, she's my rock. She keeps me, she keeps me grounded here. Mm-hmm. Um, she has provided all of this, uh, uh around and, and she allows me and affords me the ability to, to chase dreams and to smile and to laugh and uh, to have a great time. I love that. That's awesome. And how long y'all been married for now? Two years now. Two years. So, yeah. All right. So she's, uh, um, she was a redo. Um, obviously, um, we both had some some uh, priors, and uh, mm-hmm. this was absolutely the the blessing that I've been looking for in my life. She is an incredible. Gotcha. Awesome. So that's your present. You know, you have your awesome son. You have your awesome wife. Let's flash back to your past just a little bit, kind of what you were alluding to about your football career, because I think that's a part of you that a lot of people don't know. Sure. Um, and for those of you that don't know Captain White, this guy's a monster. He's a giant. What are you, 6'10? Yeah, something like uh, five foot 20, um, <laughs> six, six, five ish, I guess. Depends on which, uh, which shoes I'm wearing that day, right? Well, you had to be a football player. It's, it's easy to see what position did you play? Uh, I was an offensive lineman, okay. And you played in high school and then went to college. Where'd you play your college ball at? Louisiana Lafayette, Louisiana Lafayette, Raging Cajuns, Raging Cajuns. Holy crap. Was that was that one A? Yes, sir. Okay, awesome. Did you earn a scholarship? I did. Good. wasn't very good. Yeah. I'm pretty sure they had one extra that they had to give away. Oh, no, please. No, I, I was uh, I was average at best. Very very blessed to be found when I did. Very blessed to to have some school paid for. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, but no, when when you get to college, uh, everybody's a stud. <laughs> everybody's and the I best. Quickly found I wasn't nearly as studdish <laughs> as I thought I was. I don't believe that for a second. But uh, did you have any aspirations of playing in the NFL? I think we all did, right? Absolutely. I think every one of us wanted to. Um, I think I had aspirations of playing until about the time that I got hit in the mouth in college and realized that <laughs> I was not that good. Um, no, I, I think we all um, hoped and wished and tried. I was plagued with injuries and mm. um, um, quickly realized that was not where I was going to end up. Gotcha. Uh, so you ended up playing semi-pro ball, though, didn't you? Uh, I played in the arena leagues for for a few years. Um, again, fell into that um, after grad school. I, I tried to chase the dream one more time. Mm-hmm. Um, ended up um, playing just just a few years, um, and it was um, a a great opportunity. You know, you make a, a little bit of money in the arena leagues. It's, sure, it's it's nothing that'll uh, get you rich, but it's it was an opportunity league. Yeah, uh, and a lot of the guys had the opportunity to play at the next level. Um, but uh, I got a chance to kind of live it for a little while and uh, get it out of my system before it was time to start being an adult. Start being an adult. So you had actually kind of segue, you actually led me to my next point or my next question. We had a pretty powerful conversation before this that obviously anybody didn't hear before. And you talked about, you know, just a, a very personal part of your past where you essentially deemed rock bottom. And it was a very difficult point of time for you in your life. But then you, you you dug your way out of the trenches and you are where you are today for that reason. Exactly. Why don't you share with people out there listening to this? What kind of that rock bottom point was for you and, you know, what that meant for you to climb out of that hole? It was an interesting time. Um, you know, football was over. Um, I was doing mortgages. Um, I was in a uh, in a marriage that was ending um, that, that was. Uh, I was in a position in my life where I was just uninspired. Um, I had stopped playing ball, but I was still eating like like I did. I wasn't working out, and so the calories in, but the calories weren't going out. And <laughs> I had gained a ton of weight. 
I was sloppy, um, uh, inside and out. And, um, I, uh, then the mortgage crisis happened, 2008 happened, the big recession and, you know, found myself looking for my next paycheck and, and trying to support, um, my life and my family at the time. And it was very, very tough. Um, <clears throat> happened to be, <laughs> I was sitting on the couch one Saturday watching the CBS wide world of sports. <laughs> and this is a show that used to do all sorts of things. And, um, the uh, Ironman World Championships in, in Kona, Hawaii came on. Mm -hmm. And uh, the announcer of this show was that big boisterous voice, Mike Rowe. And so he's going through this whole thing and, and, and you, see the, you see the pros go. Now, and, and the Ironman's a, a big endurance race. It's a 2.4 mile swim. It's a 112 mile bike ride. It's a 26.2 mile run back to back to back on one day. And the pros finished this thing in like eight hours. It's incredible to, to see them do it. But, but the average people, it takes, you know, 10 to 12 to 15. You have 17 total hours to finish the race. So I'm watching this thing and I'm like, get a load of these people, man. I'm pretty sure I had an adult beverage or two. I'm pretty sure I had a bag of chips sitting there. I was completely fat and out of shape. Um, but it was an interesting conversation um, with myself as I'm watching these people cross the finish line. The... Uh, uh, first person that kind of struck me was a military veteran who, uh, had lost both of his legs and finished the race on prosthetics. Um, I saw a, um, lady with cancer who had chemotherapy that week that then traveled to Kona to, uh, compete. Um, and then the very last lady that they, that they showed on TV was a lady named Barbara Johnson. And, mm -hmm. uh, Mike Rowe on the TV says, Barbara Johnson, 76. How old are you? I'm like, why, why are you calling me out, man? I'm just sitting here having a beer. Um, but, but it hit me pretty hard. And, and um, right then, right then the phone rang. And it was my pops. Um, call it divine intervention. Call it dumb luck. Call it whatever you want. But he had literally just called to see how I was doing. Mm -hmm. And I knew right then that my life was headed in the wrong direction. I knew right then what I was supposed to do. And that was to be a firefighter. Yeah. And that hit me pretty hard because I realized right then, how am I supposed to take care of other people if I can't even take care of myself? Wow. I love that. And that kind of started my life change to becoming a better person, becoming an inspirating type person, um, trying to to get people in the mindset of 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 positivity and love and, and, and just being better every day. Wow. I love that. Do you still feel the same way about your job to this day? Do you feel like you made the right decision? 100%. I am so blessed to follow in his footsteps. Mm -hmm. Uh, if, if I am one day half the firefighter, half the officer that, that, that he was, I'll be one hell of a, of a guy. Um, mm -hmm. but, uh, yes, I am, am so honored and blessed to be in this life. It is so great to, to honor and to serve and, and, and to do something bigger than you. I love that. And speaking of that, talking about how your dad really was the, he, he cast a shadow that you wanted to follow or to be like, or to emulate, which is powerful. What's even more powerful was that you got to share a pretty special experience with him on his last day on the job. He was in Houston, correct? Yes, sir. For 37 years? Mm -hmm. It's a long time. It's a really long time, <laughs> especially in Houston. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Um, talk about that experience of you going down there and sharing your last or your dad's last shift with him. Sure. So I'll start by saying this. I got to... Um, I got to ride my very first fire shift ever when I was in fire school down in Houston. I got to go ride out with him. And, uh, of course, I'm riding out, and I'm, I'm all proud and excited. And, and he uh, made me call him Cap, and he made me spin hydrants on my first day there. <laughs> <laughs> he made me go out and be one of the guys. I'm cleaning toilets, and I thought I was just hanging out. Right. Um, but, uh, no, he sculpted my career, and, and, and in January – he rode his last shift and uh, took a vacation day and uh, went down and I and I rode out with my pops and I got to ride one last shift uh, with him. Went and spent the full twenty four with him, and uh, we uh, we got to spend some time together and 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 got to uh, to share his last shift with him. I love that. 
Now, we obviously know 37 years, especially as a firefighter in Houston, we all know how their call volume is for a big city like that and everything that they're involved with on the fire side and EMS. But I know that the, re- the primary reason that your dad was retiring, aside from his years of service, is he came across an unfortunate medical issue that had happened that we talked about a little bit earlier. Do you care to you know, shed a little light on people about that experience and kind of what happened and you know, kind of what impact that has had on you? So he had, um, he had a heart attack on a structure fire. Uh, he went down and um, rushed to the hospital. <clears throat> he was then put on a life vest, uh, was told that he needed a valve replacement. Um, but he worked his way back. So he had surgery and um, made it and got through it. Um, and he was off for like 10 months going through cardiac rehab and going through everything that, that he had to do. Um, but that stubborn son of a gun worked his way back. He (laughs) he didn't want to retire medically. Mm -hmm. Uh, he wanted to retire on his own terms and, uh, and he worked his way back and he got healthy and he, he got back in shape Mm -hmm. and, um, got approved, got, you know, fit for duty from, uh, not only his doctor, but from the fire department and, uh, went, back to shift and walked in the first day and chief said, Oh, um, sorry, you've been reassigned to the Academy. (laughs) You have to go through reintegration. So a 37 year fireman had to go back to the Academy and re put on his gear for time and climb stairs for time and go through live fire for time and then do all of his, his medical CEs. But, uh, Mm -hmm. but he did it and, and he passed the reintegration process and worked his way back on shift And, uh, once he got back, he said, look, I've done it. I proved to myself, I proved to everybody else that I could do it. And, um, and then he said, you know, what? I'm working just a couple of shifts. I'm going to hang it up. God, that's, that's pretty powerful in and of itself. It's, you know, for somebody to have that kind of mental fortitude, if you will, in that just tenacity, just to keep on keeping on. That's just, that's awesome. And you can see that a lot in you just by your words and how you try to emulate his passion and you know what he embodies, which is I commend you on tremendously, especially as a young firefighter. You know, we need more captains and leaders like yourself and people who, you know, just carry that passion and the desire to be the best version of them, themselves, not only for them, but just being in the realization that you're in charge of other people. And, you know, kind of segueing to my next question for you and another question that we kind of talked about before, you're now a captain at Frisco Fire Department. And, you, you know, you worked your way up from a firefighter into a captain position. What does it mean for you to be a leader and knowing that you're in charge of the lives of other people around you? It's, uh, it's an incredible feeling, um, both a scary feeling and a very prideful feeling. Um, I am honored to serve these men and women that work for me. Uh, but it is an incredible incredible obligation mm-hmm. to them. Uh, I have an obligation, not just to them, but to their families to ensure that they go home every day. And that's, it's scary. Absolutely. Uh, we have to work hard every day to make sure that we are prepared, uh, both physically and mentally, uh, to, to do the job. Um, because at any given time, the tones could drop. Absolutely. And how long have you been a captain for now? Made captain in June, so almost one year. Awesome. And would you trade it for anything else? I absolutely love it. Yeah. So awesome. Yeah, absolutely. But, but I told you this inside, and I'll say this here too. I, I'm not it's just a it's just a position. Mm-hmm. I am just a fireman with a crap ton more paperwork at the end of the night. And I told <laughs> you that. Is that really what it is? I mean, we right. we eat together, we train together, we have family time together, and I got to do paperwork at the end of the night and I need you to go do your chores while I do my paperwork so that we're done and then we can hang out and we can have family time. And, and that's really what it, what it is. We, we're all, we're all there to do the same job. Um, and, uh, and, and, and I like that style of, of leadership and of family is where we're, Hey man, we all do the same thing. Mm-hmm. We just got different roles and different things that we have to do. Mm-hmm. Well, I'll, I'll be honest in, you know, as a young firefighter, you know, we kind of soak in everything, all our surroundings, you know, we're involved in station chores and duties and trainings. And, you know, we're just constantly on the fly. But, you know, saying so and attesting to this because I live it firsthand, you pick up more about people 
in uh, their tendencies and what they do and do not do. And one thing that I really commend you on is that, you know, not only do you lead from the front as an officer, but you're so engaged with your crew. You know, you're out there getting your hands on the equipment. You're the first to get in your gear and help the guys train. You're just leading by example. And that's a big reason why you're on this podcast is because this is predicated around service oriented leadership. So what does it mean for you to kind of lead by example? Well, I think I owe it to the guys. I can't ask them to do something that I wouldn't do. You know, back to, to Grace in the Marine Corps, the, the respect that he has for his leaders is that they have been through the exact same training. The drill instructors do every push-up and every run with those kids, mm-hmm. and, and they bring them through, and they have done it, and they will do it, and they can still do it. And I think it is, it is important for us to be able to do the same job. And I think it is important as a leader to be able to do the same things that you're asking your crew, your team to do. Um, Mm -hmm. And also it makes me better. There is zero reason why I can't learn from you. You've learned things at Smoke Diver. You've learned things throughout your life. You learned things when you played ball at Arkansas. It's not always just the fire service that you've learned things. Hey, man, I picked something up in a book I read last night. Well, let's talk about that and let's <laughs> right. learn from it and let's do those things. I think training is an awesome time because we get to round table ideas while we're standing on the drill field. Mm-hmm. Uh, we get to we get to do table talk training. Then we get to go outside and actually practice the hands on. And then you know, one of the guys goes, hey, man, I read this. I don't know if it'll work, but here's a video I saw on TikTok <laughs> and it might work. Well, you know what? Let's watch. Let's see right. if it works. And if it does, well, hey, we can't change it now because there's chain of command that you have to go up before you just change a whole load. But shoot, man, things change because somebody saw something. So let's practice it and try it. And then let's film it. And then obviously the PowerPoints and the up through the focus groups and things like that. But there are ways to make changes and most of those changes come from the bottom. So it's important for me to be out there starting the training, doing the training, being able to do those things so that those guys, one, feel that they should be doing it, but two, feel that they can make suggestions and changes in in, in the fire service as well. I love that, you know, leading by example. And it's kind of one of those things where if you do things repeatedly and you kind of lead from the front, you're a quiet servant. And with time, people are going to catch on and emulate your behavior. So that's awesome to see that you know, not only you embody that, but your crew, too, because they seem very receptive to that. Well, there's nothing quiet about me. Uh, I don't know about <laughs> no, being a quiet I, leader. I, I think that you're I may, I may lead somewhat by example, but there's nothing quiet about <laughs> me. Well, your voice is a lot louder than mine and sounds a lot better, too, than my squeakiness. But <laughs> <laughs> you were meant to podcast, not me. You should be doing these interviews moving forward. Uh, but you talked about the concept of training. You know, we even talked about a little bit before how, you know, there's a lot of element of known of unknown to this job. And I told you when you had asked me to be on the or when I asked you to be on the podcast, you'd ask, you know, hey, man, what's up? You got any questions for me to kind of pre-screen or to think about beforehand? I said, Cap, you said no, no, hell no. I, I ain't got anything for you <laughs> because there's a reason for that. And because I feel like over the time that I've done this, which is a short amount of time, you get intentionality. It's real talk with real people. It's free-flowing. It's conversational. It's natural. You get good stuff out of it and what's on your heart. Um, because if I give you time to prepare for it, you're going to know exactly what to say, and it's going to sound horrible. But I think it's going well so far. But saying so, long-winded but getting to my point, is there's a lot of elements of surprise to this podcast because there's no scripted questions. There's a lot of elements of surprise to our job. What does it mean for you as, in, as a leader, as a captain, to know that you're susceptible to anything and everything when those tones drop? I think that's why we train on everything. Um, I I call it crawl, walk, run, Um, you know, starting with the training of the smallest thing and then working it up. Um, I had an amazing officer early in my career who said, burn every building down in your head. Right. And so start with the uh, smoke detector and then it becomes a CO. And then what if it's a water flow and there are a commercial fire alarm? Then what if it's a water flow? Then what if it's a fire? Then what if it's a, you know, it starts with room and contents. Then what if it's a full blown mm-hmm. and, and go through all of those progressions of what would you do on each of these things and do that, not just for structure fires, but for car fires, but for hazmat, but for, for medical emergencies that, you know, Hey, it's a difficulty breathing that now turn anaphylaxis that turns into difficulty breathing that turns into a CPR, mm-hmm. you know, all those things, it, it we don't know what we've got, so we have to train for everything. Yeah. But we still have to do the the X's and O's, right? You still have to block and tackle before you start working on on the big stuff. So mm-hmm. 
I like to structure our training days on, you know, I've got, we train every day. Mm-hmm. We don't go outside and pull hose every single day, but we train on something every single day. And some days it's just table talk, right? Like mm-hmm. some days when we go to the store to pick up food, we'll drive around for an extra 20 minutes and just do district familiarization, right? That mm-hmm. might be one of our days on an easy day, or we might be outside pulling two and a half and spraying water and practicing different drills and maybe doing the skid load or, you know, high rise loads and things like that and practicing different stuff. Mm-hmm. But I think it's important to also say, okay, we've done that. Now let's talk about what else could happen. Sure. Um, you know, we're throwing ladders. Let's not just throw ladders to throw ladders. Let's estimate heights. Let's estimate distances when we're pulling five inch or practicing hooking up to a hydrant. You have to come up with ways to, you know, you talk about the the unknowns, right? Mm-hmm. So sometimes I ask my guys like, Hey, you're in charge of training today. Come up with something just completely jacked up that we can't think of because all of our minds are better than just me thinking stuff up. Uh, and then trying to train on those. It is important to know a little bit about all the things that we could possibly, mm-hmm. possibly run on. I think it's also important for the guy in the back seat to speak up if he's been on that. Um, you know, my tailboard right now is a licensed electrician. So heck yeah, I want you talking if we run on some (laughs) kind of power short, like, Hey, you tell me what we're looking at. I think I know, I'm pretty sure I know, but that gummit, you for sure know. And so I think it's important to, to use your resources when it comes to that for sure. Absolutely. And kind of coming in full circle with all those questions that we've asked you and you know, you're, you're just wealth of knowledge that you're relaying forward right now. What would you say to, a young firefighter like me, or maybe even somebody who's questioning whether or not they want to be a firefighter or not uh, in their young careers. What what do you think is a good piece of advice as an officer that you would wish you could share with people that you might not have had when you were a little bit younger? To the, the kiddo that doesn't know if he wants to be a fireman. Yeah, you do come do it. It's the best job in the world. hundred percent, but same breath, same for everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, so some people are are ready for this and some people aren't. I think this can be taught, but I think that there is a sense of, of compassion and bedside manner and desire to truly help that you have to have before you can, can do it. Um, but it's the absolute best job in the world. So come on. Yeah. Um, to the young, to the young kiddo, um, do something every day that makes you better. Do something every day that makes you better, whether it's read a book or listen to a podcast, maybe the mind over matter podcast. I don't know. Maybe, hey, there you go. Or, or, or pull hose or, you know, whatever it is that you do in, in your life, go for a run, do some push ups, whatever, but learn something every single day, even if it's the tiniest bit or just improve on something, take that time to meditate or stretch or whatever, mm-hmm. but just go to bed knowing that you've done something to better your life. Um, and, and that'll certainly, help you, uh, to that young firefighter who is really trying to, you know, learn as much as they can. Don't leave the senior guys alone when they all oh, get back to you. Look, obviously they need their lunch times. They need their nap times. They need, they need to, you know, know when the right time to, to ask questions is be a sponge, um, work hard. Um, you know, gone are the days that keep your mouth shut and do your job. I get it. There's a time in, in that you need to do your job. And I a hundred percent agree with it. You've got some things you have to earn your place in the fire service, but gone are the days are, you know, shut up and just listen to me because I don't know what you learned in fire school. And I mm-hmm. don't know what they're teaching now down there at the Academy. And I'd love to learn some of those things. And, and, uh, when you come going, Hey man, they taught us this. Remember we talked about on the training field, that's a time that's a round table. I want to hear those things. Mm-hmm. Um, so don't be afraid to speak up when it's a good time to do so and, and share your opinions and thoughts and questions and don't be afraid to ask questions. Mm-hmm. Um, check your rig off every day. Mm-hmm. Check your air pack off. Do the things, those things that some people get complacent with, that is not acceptable no, to, not to allow yourself to become complacent about those things. The, like I said, the, the, the blocking and tackling, um, pulling a line to the front door, uh, a first five minute drill, the, the stretches are the most important thing we can do. Mm-hmm. Um, getting your gear on in time, your front porch drills, the most important thing you can do. Knowing where your stuff is on the rig is the most important thing you can do because you can't, we don't have time to open three compartments. You got to know where stuff is. Mm-hmm. Uh, those are the things that the, that the, the young kids can do to continue to get better at the, at the X's and O's so that we can move on to the more advanced things when, uh, when we train. 
I love that, Cap. Well, Cap, we're actually at a halfway point, about the 30-minute marker here in about 30 seconds, so your timing is impeccable. It's like you knew we were doing this in advance. But uh, we're going to take a quick little break, uh, grab a quick drink. Don't exit out of this yet. We'll be right back, and thanks for tuning in so far. Break it. Time is over. Just a quick refill of drinks. What are you drinking there, Cap? Eagle Rare. Eagle Rare. What is that? It's a hell of a bourbon. It's a hell of a bourbon. Yeah, it is. I can attest to that. <laughs> Wasn't quite expecting that, but we couldn't be drinking Trulies like Keegan was the other day, right? You can't sit on my patio and not have a bourbon. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Keegan. No Trulies here, man. Um, but, Cap, we talked about a lot fire-related in the first half hour, which is awesome. And there's a lot of firefighters who are going to be listening to this. I'm sure who are going to be impacted by the words that you have. But there's also a lot of people out there listening to this who are not firefighters. And we don't want to take them completely out of the spectrum because this is a holistic podcast with you know trying to pertain to all individuals and their walks of life. So really, what would you say as a firefighter that you can kind of come full circle and bring full circle for these people who aren't? What values have you learned as a firefighter that you can shed light on people who aren't a first responder? Spread love everywhere you go. Mm-hmm. I think one of the most amazing things about what we do is we help people on their worst day. Um, they're calling us. It's a really crummy day, and and I don't wish, I don't wish any bad on anybody. I don't wish car accidents and car fires and medical emergencies. But uh, if you're gonna have it, I really hope it happens on my shift because I know that my crew will do a great job to take care of you. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but spread love every day. Try and inspire somebody every day. I think we we live in a world with with all of this politics and and everything that we are so divided right now. I truly believe that if we would turn off the news and walk outside, we'd find this world's a hell of a lot better place than people make it out to be sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, smile, smile at random strangers. Take the cart back for the old lady that you pass as you're walking into the grocery store. Um, just do something for somebody that makes them smile. Mm-hmm. Try and inspire somebody to be better. Um, you don't have to be the best at what you do, um, but you have to try hard and you have to to make an attempt every day to be better. I'm by no means as good as I should be or could be or will be. Um, but I try every day. I try to do something that that'll make me better. I mm-hmm. try to do something that will make somebody else better. And I try to to share that with somebody that, that, that makes somebody smile every day. Yeah, absolutely. And that's kind of the beauty of it is individuals are motivated by a lot of different factors. And we talked about that a little bit beforehand, how you mm-hmm. listened to a recent episode where I talked about intrinsic and extrinsic motivation. Sure. You know, obviously you alluded to the fact that you're extrinsically motivated. Very. You got to have a task to complete in order mm-hmm. to want to do something. I, I get it. I'm the same way. What would you say out there for somebody who's, you know, struggling in the motivation department? Somebody who just really finds it hard to get off the couch like you were yeah. before you joined the fire service or just somebody who just needs a little pick me up. Sure. I think, you know, it's not a bad thing to be extrinsically motivated. You know, most people, man, I just have it in me. I can go do it. I I don't, I personally don't. Mm -hmm. If I don't have another race scheduled, I'm not going out and riding my bike for, for three or four or five hours. I'm not going out and running for a couple of hours. If I'm not racing, uh, I mean, Ironman Texas got canceled, right? With the, with the COVID. So, Uh um, I I have zero reason to ride a hundred miles anytime soon, but that doesn't mean that I, I shouldn't go out and do something. So what I'm probably going to do, I'm probably going to sign up for a race somewhere, something, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Melissa runs ultra marathons, and so she'll probably keep me running. But with the bike riding, I've got to get out there and do something. Um, for those people who are struggling to do something, pick an arbitrary date. Pick something out there that maybe sign up for now. Obviously it's tough now with, with where we are, but right. uh, there are virtual races online that you can sign up for. Um, there are, are things, but maybe pick a day that you want. It, it gives you something to focus toward, right? If I sure. don't have anything that I'm reaching for, 
it's awesome at the firehouse because I know that I have to, I'm, I'm motivated by the families that I'm obligated to, to, to make sure that their loved one goes home every day. So we're training every day. We're working out every day and we do both. Mm -hmm. Um, but here at the house it is damn easy to come home and, and, and let the dog hop up on the couch and, and take a quick nap because nobody's going to know. I'll, I'll get all my chores done before my wife gets home. And so right. it's super easy, right? <laughs> Melissa gets home and all this stuff. So she's like, well, you had a great day. Well, I took a two-hour nap. Um, but no, it, it's it's good. But you still, I still have that date ahead of me, right? So I still know that I have something coming up. And so my challenge to those people who are struggling is just pick an arbitrary date and say, by August 10th, I want to be able to run this, or I want to have lost this, or I want to have read this. Mm -hmm. And that gives you that external motivation of now you actually physically have something you're shooting for is it's a goal to say, I'm going to make that date. Absolutely. And when we talk about motivation, just holistically speaking around the world, you can even call this a pandemic if you want. It's definitely not, but I think it definitely can be is people lack motivation to exercise or work sure. out or exert any type of physical effort because it's hard, right? There's a lot of people who struggle with that, especially if you haven't done it since Vietnam or sure. if, you know, if you're just out of shape, I get it. I can relate. I've been there, done that. But being physically fit almost opens the gates, if you will just to life, to being a more positive individual. Sure. It's mentally stimulating. It just, you know, makes you feel better about yourself. And a lot of people are not feeling good about themselves. They lack self-confidence. So coming full circle, what would you say being physically fit <clears throat> means to you in your life? Do you think it benefits you or it kind of hurts you a little bit? Oh, it a hundred percent benefits me. And I'm in, in, in no way in the greatest shape that I could be. Right. So it's still a struggle for me every day. I still have the, the mindset of an offensive lineman and want to put 4,000 calories in my face every single day. And I still <laughs> struggle with the, the, the donuts every single day and the ice cream every single night. I don't eat them regularly, but you know, it, it's still a struggle, right? Mm -hmm. And we still have to do those things to be conscious of the decisions that we make. What I say to those people though, is, is, you know, exercise gives you endorphins and endorphins make you happy. Right. Yeah. And there's a line of movie years ago that said that something funny, but uh -huh. it, it's working out, just doing something right. Um, um, I got a buddy that, that preaches 20 minutes or 50 reps, right? Hmm. 20 minutes of exercise or 50 reps of something, doesn't matter what it is, just do something every day to make you better. Right. Mm -hmm. And then there's that 75 day challenge that uh, I forget who it was that, that preached that. Priscilla. Yes. And so he says for 75 days, you got to work out twice a day and you've got to read 10 pages and you've got, you got to do 75 things in one day. You can't go to bed till you do. <laughs> well, I'm not going to sleep for a long time if that's the case, but that dumb, that's awesome. Right. So, so he suggests those things will make you better. And I, and I think that, you know, the problem with a lot of gyms for people when, when I got back into it and I was, was severely overweight, mm -hmm. you know, 2008, I was 365 pounds and, and, and in no way, shape or form able to, to, to do a job like this. I didn't want to go to the gym because I was embarrassed because the gym isn't for people to get fit. The gym is for people to show off and take Instagram photos in front of the mirror. Mm -hmm. And so these people who are trying to get in shape, look at the gym and go, I don't want to go there. That's embarrassing. Everybody's going to stare at me. And what I've learned throughout the years is ain't nobody looking at you. They're looking at themselves, mm -hmm. right? Um, there are so many online options now from the Pelotons to the Les Mills to the iFits to the, the things like that. There's some plugs for you. You should probably get some, uh, some <laughs> you should probably get some payola for that. Right. Um, but no, there are so many options at home that offer that. Absolutely. Um, you know, grab something, do something, just shoot, go for a walk. Um, um, when you're watching TV, every commercial break, do something right. If the commercial break comes up, do push-ups till they come back on. If, <laughs> if, if, if not stand up, sit down till the commercial break is over and then watch your show. Um, the, the advice that I give to those people who are struggling is start small, celebrate the small victories. Mm -hmm. uh, it takes a long time for you to see the, the changes. Mm -hmm. So when you look in the mirror and you haven't seen any changes, that doesn't mean that it's not working. The, the endorphins are still firing. It still makes you a better person, still smile, still be proud, still do those things. And, and slowly, but surely without quitting, with having that goal, that August, that September, that, mm -hmm. you know, have that goal and celebrate those victories, be proud of where you are. And if you screw up, who cares? Start over tomorrow, start again, 
and and work toward it and and that's how you find those the the small victories become the larger victories that become the the end goal of what you're looking for i love that that's that a great answer it caught me off guard for a second i was like a little lost for words he kind of stole my thunder there but um you know we we talk a lot about you know mindset mentality positivity motivation they all seem to come you know hand in hand with each other but a lot of people seem like like you alluded to they struggle with that perception or that belief that other people have about them and we talk about you know that kind of about in the fire service you know we're we're with a bunch of brothers and guys say a bunch of things they feel a lot of ways but you know at the end of the day you kind of have to brush it off you know do you think that it's an acquired thing to have that strength or possess that strength within to be able to to brush it off or do you think that's something that's kind of learned over time man i think it could be both wow um I'd be lying if I said that it wouldn't, it, it, I want everybody to like me, right? I inherently have that, like, but I want you to like me. Right. And so, so sure I get that. I I would be lying to you if I said, I don't care what you think about me, right? There are people that I, indifference, right? We talked about the, the opposite of love and hate and, Mm -hmm. and, and, or, um, the opposite of love isn't hate, it's indifference, right? Mm-hmm. There are people that I'm indifferent to that I just couldn't care less if if they you know, liked me. But the people that we're surrounded by, the people that we work with, if they have an opinion, I'd be lying if I said I didn't care about what they thought. Right. Um, so it, it, for sure, um, I think everybody's born with a little bit of something. Some people could truly just not care. <laughs> um, and they're awesome for it. Right. But um, it can be learned. It can be learned to, hey, man, just lower your head. Yes, it sucks for a little while. Yes, it stings a little bit. Uh-huh. Lower your head, get off social media, and and keep putting your head down to the grind and keep shooting toward that that external date that we've set for ourselves to keep working hard. I like that. So segueing off to my next part, just popped into my head. I've done it with Noah. I've done it with Keegan. We'll do it with you. Third time's the charm. i got to ask you some random, arbitrary, personal questions about yourself. All right? You nervous? Why not? Why not? Let's just dive in head first. What is your favorite alcoholic beverage? I'm a bourbon guy lately. So um, for for years, it was rum and Coke, and it was uh, um, any type of rum. I was I was big on um, on on white rums and Coke, and I drank the big ones. And I'm pretty sure that's how I got to the weight that I was <laughs> um, there, but. Um, um, lately it's been bourbons and it has been bourbons on one big, uh, one big ice ball, um, and, and trying very, uh, various kinds. The Eagle Rare has been good. Mm-hmm. The, uh, uh, old foe, I had a, a good buddy. I've got a, uh, uh, tenured professor, really, really good buddy of mine, Dr. Brad Shuck out of uh, university of Louisville. He brought me a bottle when he came down here to visit uh-huh. and, uh, it's from a, from a, uh, distillery up there. Outstanding whiskey. Um, but, uh, but man, I'm a, I like Rebecca Creek. It's a local one. And, um, really, yeah, okay. there's a, there was a restaurant in downtown McKinney that, uh, used to do their old fashions with it. And that's how mm. I got onto it. So Rebecca Creek's kind of my cheap go-to. You can get it for, for relatively inexpensive. So that'd be my like every night. And then when I have uh, guests, I pull out the, the nicer bottles to, to show that I have a little bit of class. I like it. Drink with your pinky up to Yes, right? sir. <laughs> well, as you can see, uh, my acquired taste is not bourbon. I'm sipping it and nursing it. I love it. And grateful that you opened this bottle for me. I'm more of like a Keystone Light, though. So, yeah. like, I'm still uh, in, the college, in, the, in, the, in the in the college phase, the, the Keystone <laughs> and the Natty Light. I'm just kidding. But if you had a million bucks, ask Noah and ask Keegan this. They gave me answers I didn't want to hear. I want the good stuff. What answer you got for me? What are you going to spend it on? You can't save it. You can't invest it. You can't share it with your friends or family. What are you going to do with a million bucks? I can't share it with friends or family. I can't give it to charity. Nope. I can't make something better. I can't. So that is why, first off, another billionth reason why all of you have been on the podcast, because you want to share it with people and you care more about other people than yourself. That was their answers. But what would you do with it? I mean, here's the problem. I, I worked in the mortgage business for so <laughs> Look. We don't join the fire service for money. Uh-huh. Um, I am rich in love for my wife and my life and everything that I have. Mm-hmm. And I know that sounds like a stupid answer, but do you have no idea how blessed I am to be where I am and with who I am and in the it. life that I am? And it's not about the money. It's it's about the experiences. I would travel. If we're going to talk about money not being an option, uh, I would travel. 
Mm-hmm. Um, my my um, my folks have been traveling uh, overseas quite a bit lately, oh, and wow. um, they have been doing the Viking cruises Ooh, so all okay. over Europe. And obviously, they are. My dad retires because they had four cruises planned this year, and they haven't left the house. I was since about he to retired. say they're probably shut they're down. Miserable, <laughs> but no. It, look, if we're if we're really going to talk about that, yes, I would I would make sure that everybody was was. Um, uh, taken care of, but since that's not an acceptable answer, I'd travel. Um, we, um, Mel and I went to Canada last year for, for a, uh, an Ironman race and mm-hmm. uh, we loved Banff and loved the area up there. And it was incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, we've, we've been over to, um, Netherlands and Germany. Um, and that was awesome. I'd love to go back and kind of see the world. Uh-huh. I think that if money weren't an option, if that was just some arbitrary made up number like that, that, that we would, we would travel the world. I love that. Okay. Last one. If you could work for any, fire department across the country, aside from Frisco fire department saying that Frisco fire department was not an option, even though that's where I know you want to be, which fire department would you want to work at and why? Hmm. It's an awesome question. I just thought it, of it's it. an interesting question. I want an and awesome answer. The, the problem with <laughs> the problem with that is, is I would, I would immediately say Houston, right? Because my dad did ah, it would be okay. awesome to be a legacy. But then you read and, and you hear things. It probably isn't the best place to be right now. I would immediately think somewhere like FDNY because mm-hmm. you get to have the nostalgia of being part of something so much greater. Sure. Um, but I'd also think maybe a smaller department where I could have an impact on the growth and development of everything. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that if Frisco were not an option – course you could go out to california if i could work anywhere you say orange county Uh then you get the beach (laughs) if if i had a million dollars and any fire department (laughs) that i could choose that i could afford to live (laughs) out there in california if we could afford to do it then then we would do that okay Um, no i I think your bigger departments would be awesome (sighs) but you'd get lost sure you you would get lost in in the life i like these medium-sized departments you know we've Mm -hmm. got we got 250 people we got nine fire stations we're growing like crazy with all the things that are coming but i get to be part of that and and i know i know everybody except for like five people i heard a name the other day and said i have no idea who that is Uh we're finally getting to the point where we don't where we don't know people um but no I, i think that would be my answer i think fdny would be an incredible place to uh to to work but but man, I was talking to um, to Honoré Descortes the other oh, day. Yeah. I think Paris might be a cool place to work Absolutely. too. That'd be, a, that'd be a darn awesome place to be. Yeah, once in a lifetime experience yes, right sir. there. Well, they they burn a lot over there too. Surprisingly, yes, sir. I saw some crazy videos he's been posting. Oh as man, well. they still use the Pompier ladders was, and they, that rescue with the Pompier <clears throat> ladder that was incredible. They build their lines from the fire back too. So they take their hoses and they and they build them back. So you're never short lines. They wow. take their hose and then build them back to the rig for for pumping, which is kind of cool. Absolutely. Very cool. Well, Cap, like I said, last personal question or kind of arbitrary question I had for you. Uh, we've talked about a lot of great stuff this past half an hour, actually around right around 48 minutes. So, you know, we're right on schedule and this has been great stuff. But to close us out, you know, why why don't you leave us with something that is just on your heart right now? You know, this the floor is yours. You got a couple minutes left, you know, to say whatever you want or whatever comes to your mind. But no questions, just you. So whatever you got, hmm. let her rip. Whatever I have to say, huh? Whatever there's, you got to say. my platform. I don't. Floor is yours. You know, I'll say kind of the same thing I would say to um, to to a rookie or to my son or to to you know anybody. Train hard and and study hard. Um, you know, learn something every day. Right. Try and teach something every day. Try and improve every every day. Um, we talk about the cancer of negativity. You know, there's negativity everywhere you look. You can walk out the door and there's, there's negativity. Don't be infected by that cancer of, of negativity. Um, in any job, especially the fire service, uh, learn from the old heads, learn mm-hmm. from the old heads. You know, I, I may be in a position that outranks an old head, but by God, I don't have the experience those guys have. And it, it is incredible to learn from those senior enlist guys. Mm-hmm. They will make or break you. Uh, I, I got to ask just as many questions as, as, as a young guy does. And I have to listen when they talk because they've got the shortcuts and they've got the tricks and they've got the, the ways down to, to do it. Um, inspire someone every day. We talked about that earlier. Mm-hmm. Uh, I truly feel that that is a, a, a calling. I think we really ought to 
spend more time trying to make people smile every day. Mm -hmm. And if we do that, I think this, uh, I already think this world's an amazing place. I think this country's an amazing place, but I think we'll recognize it as a culture. I think we'll recognize how awesome it really is if, if we if we put down our our uh, our political views and our social medias and walked outside, turned off the news, and and, and recognized, you know, say hi to your neighbors, say yeah. hi to your friends, and say hi to random strangers. Absolutely. Um, but uh, yeah, so I think that um, be an inspiration to others. Be there was a meme that I saw on it. Might have been a smoke diver meme. It was one of oh, those. Uh, they're looking at you. You know, be, be worth looking up to. Uh-huh. Holy cow. Holy cow. Be, be worth, be worth being emulated. And, uh, I, I, I truly believe that, um, that that's, that's probably what we should all try and do. And if we all did that, we'd be, we'd be a much better place. I love that. Well, Cab, again, thanks for your time. Thanks for, thanks, man. you know, let me invade your your home here and your beautiful patio we're sitting on right now. That's what all the bells and whistles are in the back. If you can hear that, not the too wind sure. chimes. Yeah, the wind chimes, <laughs> but um, you know, beautiful place cap. And um, you know, thank you for just being you and, you know, providing everybody out there listening to this, some, some positivity and you know, just a different perspective. That's the beauty of a podcast. And um, if anybody wants to get in contact with you, what's the best way that they can do that? Um, I think I got, I got a Facebook and um Jay White at Frisco Fire. That's uh, that's my email. Hit me up. That's a work email. Um, I will share. I'll probably ask you a question if you email me, but I'll share <laughs> anything um, anything that I can. Awesome. And uh, if you want, if you have any questions for me, um, and you cannot get a hold of Captain White, I'd be more than happy to uh, to send him your or to send you his way. Obviously, with some pre screening questions, make sure it's not an attacker and assault on Captain White. But uh, you know, if you need anything from me as well, please don't hesitate to reach out to me. You can also reach me on Facebook. Uh, aside from Captain White, I have an Instagram and a couple other social media outlets. Um, I promise I'm not on my phone all the time, Cap. Uh, but I do, do need some ways for people to reach me with this platform. So if you do need to reach me, let me know. I'd love to be able to help you or point you in the direction of people that can give you a better answer than me. And again, that's another reason I'm doing this podcast is to show you people that you can connect with to hear from and just know that there's positive people like Captain White out there that just want you to live the best quality of life. So, Cap, thanks again for all of you listening to this. Thank you so much for listening. If you're new to the channel, make sure you subscribe, leave a review, share it with your friends and family. Like I said, grandma and grandpa to start, share it with them. Uh, We all need some, we all have some holes in our lives and we definitely need to plug them up sometimes. And that's what I hope this is for you. So I bid you adieu. Have a wonderful day and we'll see you on the next episode. Thank you.